may I speak to the glory of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Even without this pandemic, in the church year, we're in a bit of a strange position at the moment. The Christmas and Epiphany seasons, celebrating the birth and revelation of Jesus, have now been and gone, finished last Sunday at Candlemas. We're back with green vestments and other decoration, the so-called ordinary time. But in a week and a half, we enter Lent, moving towards the passion, death and resurrection of Jesus. Ordinary time for a short period, or as ordinary as anything can be at the moment. Personally, I find this period of ordinary a bit strange. We spend December and January, two months, on the period of Mary's pregnancy, Jesus' birth, and then his early years. We spend six weeks of Lent building up to Jesus' crucifixion and ultimately resurrection at Easter, but then just spend a couple of weeks on 30 or so years in between. That is if we think of things only in a linear fashion. But this is not intended to be looked at in this way, shown by Jesus' teaching appearing in the Gospels post-Easter. Rather, the special seasons, the extraordinary, if you like, bring in a particular focus without everything being simply a linear account of Jesus' life and ministry. The ordinary and extraordinary work together, aiding our understanding of who Jesus is and what our mission in the world should be. Look at today's Gospel reading. It might appear familiar, having been read at the carol service and then at midnight mass. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. At Christmas, we looked at this in relation to the Incarnation, in relation to Jesus' birth, in relation to this being part of God's plan right from the beginning. Today, though, we don't look solely at the birth of Jesus. We heard in the first reading from Proverbs in the Old Testament how God created the earth and all that is in it, re-echoing Genesis, and that God ca God's care is for all of creation. God is ruler over all. Our second reading from the letter to the church in Colossae carries on this theme, but speaks of Jesus. The letters to the churches, if we recall, were written to churches in a way maybe like we might today receive a letter from the dean clarifying something about the life of the church 
here in this deanery or in this congregation. If we think, for example, about Paul's letters to the Corinthians, he spent most of the time trying to sort out how they were behaving. A bit like we might today receive a scathing letter from someone in authority if we had been doing something wrong. But this letter from Colossians, very near the start of the letter, is trying to explain who Jesus is in relation to God, a concept we can struggle with right to this day. Like the gospel, it expresses the truth of Jesus existing since the beginning of all creation, but in a slightly simpler way than John. Mind you, it still uses very long sentences. Jesus being God is expressed in terms of him being made in God's image, with all things being created in him. So Jesus, God, is involved in all of creation. But there's more. Remember that letters like Colossians were written to specific churches with their own issues. We don't know what the issues are. We haven't got access to the letter or message to which this is a reply. But we can read into the responses about what might have been prevalent issues. Jesus is the head of the body, the church, the letter says. I wonder whether that suggests that there were hints of leadership battles, claims that this person or that person was the most important in the community, and so emphasising that Jesus, God made man, is the head of the church rather than any human. Alternatively, it could hint at the continuation or adoption of pagan practices and the honouring of other so-called gods. Either way, the author's letter is very clear. All things were created by God and Jesus is part of the Godhead. Jesus, God, is the head of the church, nobody else. It emphasises God's love for humanity. God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. God was pleased to become incarnate, to be born of human flesh. It wasn't a chore for God to become man. He was pleased. But why did this happen? So that God could reconcile all of humanity to himself. So that we might be reconciled, reunited, joined with God. The early church made mistakes. They messed things up, just like we do today. The letters were written to help them follow the way, 
answering questions they might have, correcting mistakes they may have made, explaining the doctrines of God, such as the incarnation, and telling about God's love and forgiveness. It sounds like any other church, really. The early church were reminded that God loves all of humanity so much that Jesus was born so as to reconcile God and humanity, to reunite heaven and earth, if you like, because God loves us so much. As we approach Lent, as we approach the time of Jesus' passion and death, we must keep that in mind. Not focusing on the cross with the understanding of some sort of vengeful God demanding repayment for sins committed, but rather focusing on the resurrection which followed. The resurrection which allowed the powers of sin and death to be defeated, defeated through God's love. God's love for you, for me, and all of humanity. That is something to hold on to in this time of pandemic, with worship shifted online, as we try to work out how to make God's love known to every single person in this time and situation in which we find ourselves. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.